You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. I'm Jack. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Chad C. What's going on, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm weathering a uh, very violent thunderstorm happening outside, so hopefully uh, oh, damn. the power doesn't go out and we, we can keep this recording going. <laughs> You're probably going right. to hear some thunder in the background. So, <laughs> All right. Fingers crossed. We'll, uh, we'll try to keep it uh, light here. Uh, get it? Oh, I see. Okay. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. All right. Um, okay, so <laughs> this week's movie... Uh, it's Paul Schrader's Light Sleeper from 1992, starring Willem Dafoe, Susan Sarandon, Victor Garber's in there. Uh, oh, God, I forgot the other guy's name from The Thing. Uh, David uh, Clennon. David Clennon. Yes, David Clennon. Um, Dana right, Delaney. Dana Delaney, yeah. Uh, Jane Addams also. So, um, nope. Yeah, Clennon, I, I recognized him right when I saw him, but it took me a while. It's just like, who is this guy? Like, I feel like he's in a uniform or something i had to look it up so i didn't put it together until imdb told me but uh, yeah interesting um so yeah this this was a movie that was on our lists um had you know I, i'm gonna be honest with you i don't know a whole lot about this movie what i really knew about it was the the paul schrader of it all you know um mm-hmm. so this was obviously a first time watch for myself this is first time watch for you as well right no, no, no. I'd seen this eh, one or two times. Uh, back back when First Reform came out in 2017, I kind of went on a Schrader binge. So I, I, I checked this off, Affliction. Uh, what else was it? Hardcore, a couple of other ones. I, I went through some of his. So, yeah, it had been a few years since I had seen it. But, yeah, this was a probably second or third watch. So. All right, interesting. Um, with that being said, let's uh, take a bit of the trailer here. I got a problem. I need a piece. A piece of what? A gun. Johnny, it's business. You drift from day to day. Years go by. Then a change comes. What a strange thing to happen halfway through your life. What luck. So, there's a lot that happens in this movie. But I'm way more interested in talking about Paul Schrader when we talk about this because I haven't seen all of his films and for those who don't know he's the guy who wrote Taxi Driver went on to direct you know American Gigolo Patty Hearst Blue Collar um, but more recently First Reform The Card Counter and Master Gardener that's in theaters uh, right around now Um, Schrader has a very specific and particular worldview and I could not help but notice that Light Sleeper follows an identical framework to almost every other Schrader movie that I have seen thus far. (laughs) And I don't know how I feel about that. I'll be honest with you. I I don't know. But, Chad, this was second or third time watch for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What made you want to rewatch this and talk about it on the show? So, yeah, I just think this is definitely, like, a lesser scene of his movies. Uh, This is, yeah, this is the third in his Man in the Room uh, trilogy, essentially, with Taxi Driver, uh, American Gigolo, and this, which now has spawned into The Watcher in 2007 with Woody Harrelson, which I have not seen, and then, most recently, yeah, First Reform, Card Counter, and Master Gardener. So he has, like, a very big running theme, of course, of, you know, a man in their... Either, well, Taxi Driver, he's in his 20s, Gigolo 30s, and this movie's in his 40s, but some type of spiritual crisis where he's, you know, having an issue with his career. So, yeah, I just thought it would be good for, I mean, we haven't talked about, I guess we just do Taxi Driver back in the original movie homework we did with Alex, but it had been a while. I don't think we'd really talked about Schrader much on the network. And with the new movie, of course, Master Gardener in theaters, and probably by the time you're listening to this, we'll be streaming. But, yeah, I just thought it would be a good one to talk about and kind of get our thoughts out there on Schrader. So, yeah, yeah. right up that alley. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. You know, he's technically a new Hollywood guy, although he sort of feels like he's mm-hmm. just after that in a way. Um, 
like I know he was a filmmaker in the seventies, but it was it was basically late seventies when he started directing things, and it, it kind of mm-hmm. feels to me like I don't know he he didn't quite fit in with the Spielberg Scorsese of it all. Um, he definitely was one of their peers, but you know I looked into a little bit of his background for the show and how he had written papers or I think he wrote a novel about like Dreyer and Brisson and all of these foreign filmmakers of which I'll be honest with you, the, the, the Schrader films that I've seen, I don't even see the influence of those filmmakers on his work. Um, so it's a very complicated director or, or filmmaker to talk about for me because he's just so like left of where I thought, I don't know. He he would be given the time he was he was making films in, you know. Um, yeah, he's he's very unique. I mean, he was an acolyte of Pauline Kael, right? He started out right. as a reviewer, like a critic, and then right. uh, kind of transitioned into film. Which, yeah, these these type of uh, screenwriters don't really exist anymore. Like he was a very popular screenwriter that transitioned to directing because I mean he did Obsession for De Palma. Um, what he did, he didn't he write Rolling Thunder also, I believe. Yeah, and, and yeah, so, I mean, and then Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, of course. But yeah, he, and then he kind of fully transitioned to the directing work. But yeah, he's 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 a different guy, you know. Every <laughs> every well, starting with the first Reformed, really, all these studios will make him get off all social media during the duration of them uh, right. doing promotion for the film because you know he's just uh, he's got his opinions, and I don't know if it's like is it. Tone deaf necessarily, or like tone ignorant. I, I, I don't know. That's kind of what I <laughs> take with him a lot of the time. Like sure. he's yeah, he's just older, old school, and uh, just speaks his mind. He does not hold anything back, and the cancel culture shit just, just does not even like resonate with him at all because he's <laughs> they've tried to cancel him multiple times, and he's still chugging away at these movies. So yeah, interesting. And and I you know I, we'll talk about Light Sleeper in a second, but I think the the main question I'm kind of wrestling with, and maybe at the end of this episode we'll have uh, we'll, we'll we'll come to a conclusion here on it. But I guess you know Hitchcock, right? Hitchcock had hallmarks of his films. He always had like this very you know beautiful blonde woman who would be in peril and had to be saved. Like that was a big piece of his suspense films. Um, mm-hmm. he also, obviously he made suspense thrillers. He dealt a lot with, um, like, like mistaken identities in his films. And that, those are like hallmarks of his films, but you, you don't necessarily sit down and watch, say Vertigo and then watch North by Northwest and feel like you've watched the same movie, but maybe like a variation on the exact same theme. He, he tends mm-hmm. to like use those details as pieces to his overall story not literally taking the the exact plot and beats of the same story and just like grafting it onto a slightly different character maybe in a different city maybe not or maybe just in a different time mm-hmm. and i watching light sleeper all i could think was it just it, it was it was just another shade of taxi driver and yep. first reformed and card counter like they're there, I, I don't know of another filmmaker who has done who has made so many movies that are essentially the same movie, and and I don't know how I yep. feel about it, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, I mean, sure. we, we've got plenty of folks that we we like who make movies, and I've seen this in the past. Like, and I, I hold this opinion to this day. I, everybody knows I'm not the biggest No Country for Old Men fan. I respect it well enough, but there's a lot of that movie that is pretty much ripped right out of Blood Simple. And the first time that I saw No Country, all I could think was like, oh, there's a lot of Blood Simple here. Like, are they just trying to update and, like, redo their own shit to make it better kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know where I stand on that. We'll, maybe we'll review yeah. that in a little bit. So. Well, well, see, I guess, I, I guess kind of where I fall with that is I, I don't disagree with you at all because, I mean, he, he even says it himself. He says, you know, these are this is... You know, a running theme in his movies, but it's like I—I I think you maybe said it last week, kind of wrapping it up. You're like, I've seen all these movies, and by the end of them, I end up liking them. They, they all the posters look the same, which they do. They—they they are 100 percent spot on. But it's like, yeah, I usually leave them, and I really enjoy the movies and I, the performances and everything, uh, atmosphere, everything he's got going for it. Right. Uh, as opposed to like, I guess if he was trying to try some other 
I don't know, some comedy or something and then just fuck it up. I don't, I don't know necessarily. And then I'm like, I fucking hated that movie. So I don't know. It, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope. But yeah, I, I like mo- pretty much all of the movies that I've seen of his. So yeah, it's, uh, it's different. So, <laughs> so I guess that's another question I have in terms of the, this kind of like dissecting, I, I don't know, the difference between like style and just straight up copying your work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of guys that that we like. Like, we'll talk about a Nolan, right? So Nolan has big blockbuster filmmaking. He does, you know, real special effects as much as possible. And he has this, like, kind of obsession with time. Most of his films have something to do with time. Or time ends up being a a major factor in them somewhere. Um, But I never feel like I'm seeing the same story over and over again. Schrader... It feels like he's an intensely depressed and lonely person. He has been for his entire life. And he keeps trying to find other isolated individuals in society who are also living on the same fringes that maybe he feels like he's living on and try to further explore the same type of character over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. But I, 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 I don't know... I feel like it's also limiting, and I guess that's where I'm at with it. It feels like he is gnawing, something is gnawing at him, and he is trying to figure it out. But I don't know that any of the films that I've seen tell me anything different than the other one. And I guess that's where I'm struggling with Light Sleeper. I think... Everything that Schrader wanted to say was kind of said in Taxi Driver. And since then, I think he's just been riffing on that. Do you get that feeling at all with his stuff? No, it, it, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, there's this is a I mean, it's a, I think he's even said that like this is Taxi Driver with him not in the front seat. He's just in the back seat. So, yeah, yeah I guess it's it's. A, yeah, it's just kind of a continuation of the Travis Bickle character throughout these uh, just different professions and different you know midlife crises and uh, each thing's for you. I mean, like first reformed, he's a priest. Yeah, this one he's right. a drug dealer. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just different. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, I do do not disagree with you whatsoever. But at the end of the day, at the same time, I I usually leave his movies and I'm like, that was pretty goddamn good. I wish. You know, other people were making movies like that, or like that, that are good like this. You know, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's just a yeah. It's, it's it's yeah. It's interesting to talk about, which is you know a big reason why I thought this would be a decent one to to bring yeah. in. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, going off of that, so you know, t- talking over a bit about the plot here, um, you know, boilerplate stuff. I mean, you have the main character John. That's Willem Dafoe. He's a drug dealer. He's working for uh, Susan Sarandon's Anne, who mm-hmm. she's she's essentially getting out of the business soon. And, you know, John is having a bit of, like, self-reflection about his job and what he wants to do. Seems like he's generally a good person, um, despite being a drug dealer. You know, he's never really cast as, like, someone who has a lot of negativity in their life or is overly violent um, obviously at some point in the story he has to act, but that's only because he's sort of backed into a corner, he feels. He has to, he has to do something about that. Um, mm-hmm. So morally speaking, John is actually a pretty, I don't know, morally good character for the most part. Um, and we follow him, much like other Schrader movies, throughout his life. So that means going and doing drug deals... Interacting with his boss, his colleague who's back at that apartment, um, Robert. Is that his name? Richard? Robert? Richard? Robert. Um, And through his sort of exploits throughout the city, he's writing in a journal of which we hear a lot of voiceover because it's a Paul Schrader movie, so that's kind of part of (laughs) the requirements. (laughs) Yeah. And he comes across a woman who he knows who is very hesitant about, you know, getting in a cab with him. It's raining outside and... You know, she doesn't, seems like she doesn't want to be there, but they have some sort of shared history. And you find out that she was his ex-wife, and it sounds like things ended, uh, you know, over, over sort of um, uh, bad terms. 
and that it had to do with drugs and that maybe she was a drug addict at some time. And we, we kind of live with John in his life as he just goes about it. And a lot of the movie is a, it's just a character study about a guy who doesn't have a lot of legacy. We find out that he doesn't have a lot of money in his bank account. He's sort of living day to day. And it's really about, I guess, I guess loneliness more than anything else. I don't know mm-hmm. that this movie has much more that it's exploring outside of the, the idea of somebody who maybe has a lot of potential, is very smart, but it just sort of didn't really utilize any of that promise and ended up as a drug mm-hmm. dealer instead of maybe a, you know, a doctor or a, you know, somebody who works in, in tech, like somebody, somebody with a normal job. This guy is just isolated. It's, it's, like you said, it's the Travis Bickle character of it all. Um, but all that being said, I, I don't think that this movie is uh, without some good performances here. I mean, I, I particularly thought that Defoe was pretty good here. Um, what, what did you think mm-hmm. of the acting overall? Maybe not only Defoe, but some of the other performances as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Sarandon's really good in this movie. Yeah, she's she's great. Uh, I've noticed she's Clinton, Victor Garber. I think he's got. I I, I listened to uh, whatever some YouTube clip that was saying that he uh, he got the script the night before they started shooting, so he had to come up with that accent like on the fly. Right. <laughs> like, right. So I think he's pretty good. And yeah, I, I don't really have any issues with the the acting here. Uh, Dana Delaney probably the, the weakest for me, but I I still sure. don't think she's necessarily bad in this. Uh, but yeah, I think Defoe's. I mean, Defoe's just great in everything, man. I, did you watch Inside, his, his most recent movie? I didn't yet. No. Yeah, it's another just super isolated uh, movie. <laughs> like he's yeah. just in, alone the whole time, but he's he's fucking great. Like a, it's a big vanity piece for him, definitely. But yeah, uh, yeah this is like you, like you, I don't. Know, we've talked on the network before. Like this is definitely like a day in the life movie of just this guy sure. going through it and having this midlife crisis. It's not, not not a lot of plot to it necessarily. Just things happening around him. So yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, particular scene he goes and sees a uh, a psychic or a medium who tells him that he has uh, maybe, is it death around him the first time? I can't, I can't remember now. I think um, that's, a, that's the second time. That's right after, uh, yeah, um, Jane Delaney's character commits suicide, and, or yeah, the, maybe she doesn't. Right, yeah, right. The, the first conversation is more ambiguous, right? It's like he's maybe kind of putting on a front to see whether or not she can actually tell him anything real. At least that's the mm-hmm. feeling I got from the conversation. Um and I think ultimately he comes mm-hmm. away from it like, oh, maybe she kind of does know what she's talking about there. Um, but, yeah. Well, Mary Beth Hurt, too, is Schrader's longtime wife. So <laughs> that's that oh, shrink. You <laughs> that's that makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. Um, and then a couple of, of uh, funny little cameos, too. I mean, the uh, <laughs> yep. the Sam Rockwell one's pretty great. I think his name is like <laughs> Jealous or something. Jealous. Yeah, his name is just Jealous. <laughs> God, that's great. And David then, Spade's uh, credited as just theological cokehead. I think. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good stuff. But of course, you know the yeah. uh, the theology angle of it is uh, makes sense given you know first reformed later on down the line there and the God's lonely yep. man stuff that comes up in all these movies. So um, it would make sense that Trader would be a uh, you know guilty Catholic. That just that, that lines up very well. So. Um, yep. But yeah, I think New York looks pretty good here. It's still, I know it's 1992 when this movie's made, but it does feel like it still is a little bit of that scuzzy, sort of seedy underbelly New York. Um, oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, the garbage, honestly, we didn't even talk, the, the garbage strike is going on during this, so there's just trash all over the streets at all times, right, every scene, right. pretty much. So, yeah. um, The other movie that I thought of right away was uh, After Hours. I, I felt like this looked like a slightly darker oh, yeah. uh, version of... of the way that After Hours looks. Obviously, that's played a little mm-hmm. bit more for laughs, but um, similar similar era within a few years of uh, one yep. another there. But but yeah, um, I don't I don't have a whole lot to comment on for the movie itself. I think I'm more interested in in kind of figuring out whether or not I give a shit about this movie because I think that there's <sighs> I'm really conflicted over this movie. On the one hand, I think it's well made. I think it's it's interesting enough, and I think the performances are good. But I it, it feels lazy to me in, in a in a way, and I hate to say that, but it's 
some movies you just watch and you know the beats, but but you, they're sort of intuitive, right? Like, um, you watch a superhero movie, you know kind of how that's going to go, right? They can't really surprise you in that sort of movie. Even if it's a great one and you don't necessarily know all the beats, you kind of know that the good guy has to win at some point. Yeah. There's gonna be a space that, battle, and good guys coming out on top. Yep. There you go. Like there's a there's a rhythm and a cadence to that that you're expecting. But there's a difference between that and literally knowing that the finale of this movie will involve the main character possibly being put in a situation where they'll probably have to sacrifice themselves to take out somebody for a righteous cause. Uh, and, and you know, probably end up behind bars. I mean, it's it's just like it's so paint by numbers at a certain point to me. And it's one of what seven movies the trader has made with this exact <laughs> plot. And those are just the ones he directed. Like, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I think there's a little bit of fraud with this guy, and and the <laughs> fact that he's done so much of the same story over and over again. I don't know. This I'm one, gonna be this really. One's a little, this, Go ahead. This one's a little different. No, no, no. I'm saying this. This one's got a little bit. This is a little different though. There's a little bit of hope at the end. Usually, they're you know, taxi drivers got the. Uh, yeah, he's probably dead, right? He's on the couch chilling there. The sirens are in the background. Sure, you know, sure. ambiguous ending. This one, you know, he's out maybe five to seven years, and Anne's gonna wait for him, and they're gonna have a fucking amazing life together. Um, well, I, so I, not not to put the cart before the horse here, but I have seen some of the reviews for Master Gardener. My understanding of that movie is that it's a bit more hopeful of an ending than you would expect. Yeah, he's like a so white if, supremacist or something. Sure, I think it's but redemption. I'm sure. If that's the case, then I'm kind of calling bullshit on Schrader a little bit here, and, and in fairness. <laughs> I have not really seen his movies outside of this series in terms of his directing. I haven't seen Hardcore. I haven't seen Blue Collar. Um, Patty Hearst, I haven't seen. So there's plenty there that I, I need to spend some time with. But I just think that there's something very... <sighs> Lazy's the wrong word, because I think that he is actually... Like, he has artistic merit. I'm not, I'm not calling this guy out for being a talentless hack. I think he's far from that. I'm just confused as to why you would feel you essentially need to keep remaking the same story over and over again. And I can't, I can't get past that with this one. I, I don't, I don't know. Like it's tough <laughs> Like for, for, for this movie, right? I've done a lot of talking so far, but for you, when you think about light sleeper, what about light sleeper? Are you enjoying or appreciating that you're not getting from, say, Taxi Driver or First Reformed? Not necessarily anything. Like, I mean, I don't... It's always, like, a tough... Like, hey, what, what are you watching a movie for, right? Like, uh, I'm watching sure. it for this, this, this. You know, tell me a decent story at the end of the day. That's kind of what I always fall back on. Sure. Um, but, yeah, performance is obviously... Elevate it. And, um, no, I'm, I'm not... I'm definitely not saying this is any different... Uh, than that like I, I think it's just kind of a continuation and and I think yeah right if you're if you're at that level that these movies aren't necessarily working for you then I don't know I feel like at a certain point you're gonna be like I'm either in or I'm out uh, but yeah I don't I don't think I, I don't like I said I do not disagree with anything you've said so far like is it they, he, he even says there's similar themes and that's kind of what he struggles with and, and everything right and so it's it, yeah I, I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily watching Light Sleeper and saying, well, I got this different than I got out of uh, De Niro's performance as Travis Bickle, right? Because they're they're different characters, too, at the same time. But, yeah, there's still an underlying uh, theme going on, obviously. But I, I, still, I just enjoy it. I don't know. I, there, there's something about all these these seven movies in this series that I... I like. I think... Legit first reformed. I that's one of my favorite movies of the last like five. I guess it's we're, we're six years past now, but like the last ten years probably. Like I, there's something about that movie that kind of resonates with me. So I, I think of the that with Taxi Driver are the two elevated for me of this whole series of yeah. these. And I haven't seen Master Gardener yet, uh, of course. But yeah, there's definitely lesser ones. But 
Yeah, this I can appreciate too. It's like all these are like less than two hours. It's kind of a you know tells a story, gets in, gets out. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're guess I don't know. It's it's if you're going looking at this more of uh, wanting something different. I don't know if this is gonna. He's the guy for you, right? With this this right. particular series because Mishima. Have you seen Mishima? No, that's that's the one that I think I gotta see because I I think yeah. that is regarded as like his fucking masterpiece. Yeah, it's it uh, it's been a lot. Probably I watched that around the same time as First Reform. That that's way different for him. It's like this. It's like banned in Japan still, but it's like it's like a semi biography of uh, of a guy. It's way different from Paul Schrader. So if you're wanting something different, go watch that for sure. Hardcore is yeah. pretty different too. Um, I think he said even said that this movie Light Sleepers more so like he he's based the Willem Dafoe character off his actual dealer because this dude was just like. He brags pretty much about all the coke he was doing all the time. Like he holds no bones about that. Like, oh yeah, I would do coke and hang out and just write all night. And so, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of that. Maybe the coke has done something to his brain, Jack. Maybe it's like, hey, I I can only write this particular theme about these maybe. these men in rooms. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. maybe but. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's yeah. It, it's like I said. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to harp on like, you know exactly how I reacted to this movie but you bring up an interesting point though because it's like why do you watch movies like why do you rewatch a movie because you know what's going to happen but what what does that matter true and I feel like the it, it I guess it's kind of maybe I'm of more than one mind here but if there are seven <laughs> movies that are the same story then it's kind of nice that I can watch seven of them and just like pick my favorite and go with that. I guess there's something to that, right? Um, That's true. That's true. But there's a I, yeah. I gotta I gotta I gotta say it. I I think there is a twinge of, of laziness. I think there's a twinge of apathy to it, where it's I <laughs> I don't know. You're you're not you're you're literally making the same story over and over again. Like you're not. It's not a theme. It's it's the same story, repeatedly. <laughs> like I don't know. It's a, it's unbelievable. I, I'm I'm really struggling with it. I got I got to be honest with you. This is like the most difficult conversation I think I've I've tried to have on movie homework because it's it's, it's, hey, it's just fine. Like, it's why we're here. I we can talk it out. Yeah, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. All right, we need to move on from this a little bit. Let me. Um, I did pull one clip. It's not from the movie. I, I couldn't find a clip in the movie that I, I thought made sense for where our conversation was going to go. So I found a screening of Light Sleeper from some years ago where on YouTube there's like a three-part talk after the film with Schrader and I think a moderator. And he takes questions from the audience. One of the things he talks about is where the idea for this came from. I thought it was kind of interesting, so we'll give this a try. And, uh, and then one night I was having a dream. And very vividly, uh, this man came into my dream. And his, he was speaking to me. His face was right here. His name was John, and he was a dealer that I had known. And uh, I woke up with a start. I said, wow, wow, that was vivid. Where did he come from? Why did, why did he come? He, said, he was so close to me. I said, what are we, and I got up and I said, what are we talking about? And I thought, oh, we were talking about the movies. He was talking about the movies. And then it hit me. I said, that's him. That's my midlife metaphor. Drug dealer. Drug delivery boy. Interesting that this came to him in a dream of, uh, you know, that, that sort of drug dealer friend that he had. And it gave him the sort of germ of an idea to go in this direction. I I don't know, I don't really know what to make of it, other than the fact that Schrader is just deeply, I, I, he must be just deeply psychologically fucked up to keep returning to characters like this, you know? Um, I mean, I'm especially yeah. anxious to hear what the reception to Master Gardener is going to be like, ultimately, because... Of what I know, you know, like you said, it's like a white supremacist or like a proud boy or something that's the main character of the film. Mm -hmm. um, you know, constantly writing stories about characters and challenging whether or not a character can be redeemed. 
it seems like you 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 just keep trying to dig that hole deeper, like as deep as you possibly can in some ways. Um, so I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by this conversation, Chad. Like I, I got to tell you, I don't I don't know hey. what to think. I don't know what to think about this movie. Um, <laughs> well, we could want to get into some awards and superlatives, and maybe we can. Yeah, see if we can get anywhere else. <laughs> it's probably it's probably time. It's probably time. All right, so let's let's do the cup go. That's that dude. All right, this is the scene stealer or cameo award. Uh, I will kick this one off. And there was really only one person in the movie that I thought was great in every scene and was there enough to be called a cameo, um, and that was Victor Garber. Uh, his accent was weird. His look was very strange. But I have to admit, every time he was on scene, I was interested. Like, I kind of leaned forward just a little bit because I, I didn't quite know what this guy's deal was. You know, was he a businessman? Was he, I don't know, a Russian oligarch? Like, I, I had no idea. So for that alone, I thought he was uh, he was the Kafka of this movie. Got a great name, what, Tees Brug, I think is his name. <laughs> um, I went with... Uh... I went with Sam Rockwell, but mainly Sam Rockwell's jacket in this movie. I think Dude. it's that that kind of is the the cameo. It's like a it's like a leather racing jacket, but like mixed with thriller, and it just yeah. says Germany like plastered on the back. Like this is really big and puffy to it. it. Doesn't fit him quite well. It's like just, fucking ridiculous. But it's like, uh, the, it's yeah. like that <laughs> meme when you uh, when you ask you know, hey mom, can I have the thriller jacket? And she tells you we have the thriller jacket at home. That's the jacket. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's that's where we went with the, the cup guy. All right, nice. So this is the uh, the valley. Wow, fucking on, what it, the it, fuck! Most punchable face in the movie. Did you have anybody for this? I, I struggled with this one, and I went with my boy David Clennon as Robert. <laughs> There's just something about him. That I I know he's queer in you know in the '90s and '80s the, the earring was always a thing but he's always got this earring and he's just he's got a punchable face I don't know what it is about him in this movie he's got this like terrible mustache I don't think he's bad he's great he's great in the movie no no issues with it but he's just got a punchable face that's one of that what, what about you just admit it man you you got a thing against people who use fanny packs okay <laughs> hey. I'll rock a fanny pack. Let's go. <laughs> oh, Jesus, he just admitted that on air. What the fuck? Um, you never rocked one, okay? God damn it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, this was actually very easy for me. There was one performance that I really, really despised in this movie, and that was uh, David okay. Delaney's Marianne. Ooh. Um, I, so, so I think Bridget Fonda is probably like the queen of this. There are sometimes actors or actresses that they are just completely unremarkable and bland and there's nothing interesting about them there's no defining characteristic on their face so like you you'd have to watch a lot with them in it to even recognize who they are dana delaney is just nothing she's just a nothing actress to me like, <laughs> I, I think maybe the most notable thing she's in is is like tombstone but there's like 40 mm-hmm. people in tombstone like it, it doesn't matter um yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I would definitely, uh, yeah, punchable face would be would be Marion for me. Yeah, it's it's weird because there's like some scenes in this movie I think she's okay, but there's certain ones that I'm like, ooh, like that's bad, that's bad, like really, like that when she's screaming at the funeral, oof, that's rough. That's bad. Uh, and then you know, I, granted, it's the '90s, but man, she's got one of those classic, just terrible '90s haircuts. And oh, absolutely, yeah. It's just it, it's. It, it it too oddly resembles uh, Defoe's haircut too. It's like, whoa, what are we doing here? Correct. Fucking haircut going on. <laughs> that that overhead shot during the sex scene is weird because you don't know who's who because it's overhead and you're just like, I don't. I got, I'm just very confused right now. So. You don't know who to look at is what you're saying. It's fine. No. Uh, well, you said it, so I don't have to, and this is recorded now. So. Uh, all right, uh, next, right. we've got the Ammon. Tell me something about something I was reading about. This was best quote, and I am ashamed to admit I could not choose a best quote out of this. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Come on. Sarandon, so ones. Sarandon has a couple good lines here and there where, you know, when, when what's-his-name comes back to the apartment after banging, you know, plain Dana Delaney... And uh, she says something like, uh, "Oh, you want to suck your dick? I'll do it. But you want to raise? Fuck you. So, something along those lines." 
Mm-hmm. That, that was okay, but I just didn't really... I don't know. There was nothing. Nothing stood out for me here. So this is uh, well, this, this is not going to be awarded for me. Clearly, you weren't paying attention during the sex scene. With that's quite oh. an erection. Um, you're welcome. That's recorded now. Um, <laughs> or I'm dripping. There's I'm dripping as well. Oh my god! <laughs> that's all the sex scene. I'm I'm um, glad we watched this just for these clips. That's yeah. I, so I went with uh, there's a couple decent ones. I mean, like my philosophy is you got nothing to say, don't say it. Of course, it's pretty pretty basic, but. Aditi told me when a drug dealer starts writing a diary, it's time to quit. I started writing after that. So I went with those for the for the quote. It's not bad. It's not bad. Very Schrader-esque, that second one especially. Oh, yeah. but, definitely, uh, definitely. All right. Well, Jesse. I know this is a hot take. Most entertaining scene. Um, So I went with uh, – I kind of cheated a little bit, but I went with more so that opening uh, – not necessarily. like the, There's like a – the, the 10 to 20 minute stretch where it, it reminds me so much of High Maintenance, the HBO show, if you've never seen it. But it, it's just him as the DD going around to hit all this clientele. Sure. And getting that little story. You get the David Spade, you get Sam Rockwell, you get a couple of other dudes. Um, I think that was, I don't know, this kind of, I don't know, sums up what the movie is, essentially. You know, he's just going around and like, why the fuck am I still doing this? So that's kind of where I went with it. Yeah, you know, one of the things I like about that sequence, too, is that... It, uh, you know, you, you get a certain idea. It's like, oh, we're going to watch a movie about a drug dealer. And then I think, you know, the traitorness of it all, take that out of the equation, but Defoe doesn't really come across as, as, a, as a drug dealer to me. You know, like, he, he is one, but you can tell by the way that he interacts with his clientele that it's, it's, a, it's a job. It's not his lifestyle, necessarily, um, which mm-hmm. I think is an interesting distinction for his character. You know, I think that's a good... Good thing. Uh, For me, most entertaining scene, I really was interested in the whole sequence where John goes to drop off the the drugs to, to, was it Tease? 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 Tease. 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 What a weird fucking name. Tease Brook. Sounds like the second guitarist from Ramstein or something, you know? (laughs) You're not Uh, wrong. Yeah. Uh, goes to the apartment, drops off the drugs, gets the money, blah, 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 sees Marianne is there, coked out of her mind. This is after the funeral where she uh, screamed at John, and then not too long after, he's walking down the sidewalk and sees that she is dead on the sidewalk. So she's either taking her own life or, or you know, his uh, his man Tease has pushed her out a window, but who's to say, really? Um uh, there was something intriguing about that sequence to me. I, I was kind of, I was in it at that point, you know, trying to trying to see where it was going to go, and that was an interesting turn to take. That being said, mm-hmm. once that happens, uh, to me, the rest is kind of paid by numbers. But that's neither here nor there. We already had that discussion. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, we've got the TM. I mean, wow. What's held up the best or the worst? Um, I'm going to go with the worst first, and I'll be shocked if this isn't on your list. The music is atrocious. Uh, What a mistake. Uh, Apparently, part of that um, talk that Schrader was having that I pulled the clip from, he talks about his original intention was to use uh, Bob Dylan music, and Mm -hmm. then he had a list of five or six Dylan songs that he wanted to use, and then contacted Dylan, and Dylan said, look, I can give you these other five songs and you won't have to, it won't cost you anything, but I can't give you these these five or six that you're asking for because it'll be a lot of money, basically. And uh, according to Schrader, they were just awful choices, and they never would have fit in the movie. So he ended up going in a di- different direction with a guy named uh, Michael Bean, B-E-E-N. Uh, just terrible. Not to, be, not to be confused with Kyle Reese, though. You know, correct, like that Michael Bean. Correct. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna slander his name here. Um, so that, that was what held up the worst. So again, my my conflicted opinion of this movie. What holds up the best? Well, I mean, I might have seen this story seven other times, but it actually is like a good plot and it works. So that kind of holds up the best, the plot and the story structure for me. Um, I understand that might sound yeah. like I'm uh, fucking schizophrenic after the last 20 minutes, but <laughs> <laughs> very complicated. Very complicated. What, what do you have for this? Okay. Um, 
in bold writing i have the music has aged the worst it is yeah it's brutal it's it's fucking awful and i feel like the world's on fire it's like oh my god like how many times do i have to hear that paul how are you just gonna keep pumping that in to the same song over and over yeah it's brutal it's brutal rough i never listened see michael bean was the vocalist for the call i guess Okay. Um, I never really listened to that band much, but uh, or ever oh, yeah, for that the matter. Famous band, the Call, that we all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, listen. yeah, yeah. But his son is the. I think he's in Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, uh, oh, the current okay. band, which I do know who they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the music's fine. It's bad. It's so bad. It's 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 yeah. Take that out, and I, I don't mind some of the score in it necessarily, but yeah, when anyone's fucking singing, it's not good. Not good at all. Yeah, it's not ideal. So, yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Um, well, the, ne- <laughs> the next superlative is the Pete MC. It's the best use of music. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, there wasn't one. Am, am I wrong? <laughs> well, okay. So I went, like I said, when I think the music is not, there's not singing, I can get behind the score. So the sex scene particularly, we're going back to the sex scene a lot, like, um, but it's, it does sound like it's an Angelo Badalamenti score a little bit, uh, a little Twin okay. Peaksy. That so that. yeah, that, yeah. So that that's kind of where I was. But yeah, it, someone opens their mouth. That's what she said. Um, maybe not. Um, that is oh, awful, awful, awful. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. But yeah, I had to. I, I was I was grasping at straws. But I think the, the that seems particularly okay. So all right, well, good on you. Good on you there. Um, all right, the PJ. Dynamite drop in, Monty. This is the casting swap. Um, all right, uh, so so obviously I had a big problem with the Dana Delaney performance, but rather than swap her out, I said there is another performance in here that I think could maybe make that, I don't know, a little more palatable if you had like a another character adjacent to that one that I gave a shit about and that's the Jane Adams character so 1992 uh, there's really one perfect choice for that role I feel and I, I think it would have been Winona Ryder um, mm, she, yep. she would have been the right age the right look so you could swap her out for Jane Adams pretty easily and I don't know I, I would have wanted to see that character more than, than the Jane Adams one uh, Jane Adams also a, a fucking movie homework uh, veteran for us. If you remember, she was in maybe the worst movie we ever reviewed, which was She Dies Tomorrow. So, um, oh, I remember, I remember. Yeah, but, <laughs> I didn't yeah, want to bring uh, it up. It was, yeah, it was sort of an inconsequential uh, swap here, but I don't know. I, I probably would have made that move. Okay, I uh, I pivoted to a different Beetlejuice actor. Um and I replaced Dana Delaney with Gina Davis in this okay. movie because yeah she would have been coming off Beetlejuice, uh, Thelma and Louise in '91, but she would have been too busy filming uh, League of Their Own during this time, so probably wouldn't have been able to do it. But yeah, Dana Delaney is pretty meh in this movie, like we said. So yeah, yeah, just average, painfully average, maybe below <laughs> average actually. I would say, I'd say pretty, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Terrible. Yeah. She sucks. Yeah. She's just terrible. She's a bad actress. <laughs> Shouldn't be in movies. She should stop doing that. Oh, God. You All said right. it, not and, me. Uh, you said that's it. That's right. That's right. And the extra credit, if we were going to swap anybody in this film out for a member of the binge media staff, who would it be? Did you have anybody for this? Maybe the easiest one ever. I need my boy Ammon as one of Latour's deliveries, just giving us some fucking stoner philosophy on his couch and his flip-flops about Sasquatch. I sure. just, yeah, just giving us, just giving us the business. That's what I needed for, uh, for Ben Stafford in this. <laughs> you, you and I are somewhat aligned here because I was also thinking that it's gotta be one of the deliveries and it's gotta be David Spade for the tidy whities and, sir, I could only think of you during this scene, so I would swap <laughs> you out with David Spade, because I just want to see the scene where you are tweaked the fuck out reciting <laughs> Bible verses to Willem Dafoe in your tidy whities That just sounds mm. fucking hilarious to me. And, mm. uh, you know, lawless in a couple could. months, so maybe I'll get my wish. If I, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm a boxer brief kind of guy, so f- I don't know if you're going to get me in the straight briefs, but... Well, you know, we'll you play your happens. cards right, Jack. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We've known each other a long time. So, all right. Um, 
Yeah, Light Sleeper, man. I don't have a ton else to say about this movie. I, I think, weirdly, I think this will probably be a movie that I revisit some years from now because Interesting. I'm I'm very conflicted about it. I, I do think that there's a there's a shade of laziness to it. Or, or, or just the repetitive nature of it. I cannot, I can't see past that. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I'm very conflicted. Uh, final grades are probably appropriate here. You know, I didn't ask you at the top, but did we have any box office info for this? It's uh, not a lot, man. It, it, it opened number 18 over all the weekend it did in 92. Okay. It, uh... Actually, I do have what it released around, though. So, Lightsleeper released September 21st of 92. A uh, couple, actually, one week later, Glengarry Glen Ross released. Oh, so, damn. there you go. And then a week after that, The Mighty Ducks, and we had Reservoir Dogs around the same time. So, yeah, this was some heavy hitters, right, lined up with uh, this movie. So, gotcha. Yeah, I think uh, un- uh, Unforgiven was still the number one movie at the time. Uh, oh, all right. Early August, and then by the end of September, it was still number one. So, yeah, it's uh, not a lot. Paul Schrader is not a big box office draw necessarily. I think 1.5 million overall is what he grossed. So, got it. And all be winners. And all be winners. That's right. But I am glad that Schrader's still around, still making movies. Um, I am interested to see Master Gardener, um, and I hope that uh, I don't know. I hope it kind of modifies my my opinion of this uh, this work. It may. We'll see. But, uh, final grades time. So. Chad, I will let you start off here. Where 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 does it land? Okay, so yeah, I I like I said, this was the second or third time I'd watch it. I actually watched it twice this week, so maybe third or fourth. Who's to say? Uh, I I don't know. There's something about Paul Schrader that just really works for me, and uh, I I get quite a bit out of his movies. I don't know what it is. I just I love the performances. I love the atmosphere. Most of the time, I love the music. Not so much this one. Uh, can we just get the t- taxi driver score over this? It'd be even way better. <laughs> um, but it still, I, I still like this movie, and I, I, I like, I love Willem Dafoe. I think he's fucking electric in this movie. He's great. I'm gonna give this a B. It is. Uh, it's not. It's if I'm doing the rankings of the the seven of the Lonely Man series, I think this is in the middle of the pack here. I mean, Taxi Driver, First Reform, Stand. And head shoulders, and I think I honestly like the card counter more than I like this movie as well uh, from a few years ago. But I still, I still like this movie enough, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely rewatch this movie. Um, I just Paul Schrader, he just works for me. That's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I I totally agree with you on uh, all these movies being very similar, but so does Paul Schrader. So uh, mm. who am I to to judge? So. Uh, yeah, I, I, it works, and that's where I'm at. I'm going to give this a B grade. So where are you at? Still conflicted. I've been thinking about this since we started recording, what my what my final grade's going to be. Um, I think the movie is well-made. I think that it is written well. I think it looks good. I think at times it sounds, uh, sounds good. Other times the music is tough. We've talked that through. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm really struggling with the with the repetitive nature of this movie. I, I it's not that this movie is is repetitive in and of itself. It's that of a body of work, it is one of seven identical plots, and I just don't I, I can't wrap my head around that. But maybe that's what's so interesting about his work too for me it, it is maybe the idea that I have to revisit this in a few years and contend with it and kind of like wrestle with it again maybe that's the thing that makes it hang around um I think I respect this movie right now more than I enjoyed it so I will will go with a C plus on this um I think if I'm if I'm in a Schrader mood this is not going to be the choice right now but I could see maybe with age and a few more years and, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand more films under my belt. <laughs> maybe I see something in this that I'm not seeing today. But, hey, yeah. That's uh, what we're here just, for. We're here to talk a, it out. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's felt like a, a fucking therapy session. 
Uh, yeah, getting Paul on talk about our demons, talk about this fucking religious uh, spirituality that we're doing. <laughs> we're not talk quite there like, yet. We're not talk like this, and it's about seems a scrap. Oh, man. All right. Well, that does it for this week. But as always, we uh, want to let you know what we're going to be talking about next. Nah, that. Wow, can't speak. Next time on movie homework, and. We are going to go with a movie that was suggested by one of our listeners, uh, Dan the Man, Dan Newman, and he new guy, recommended. New guy. That's right, new guy Dan. He recommended a couple of movies, and uh, we're going in the direction of one of those. So, for next time, your movie homework will be 1968's Bullet, starring Steve McQueen and directed by Peter Yates. So, haven't talked Steve McQueen. Haven't uh, done American crime from the 60s yet, really. So, anxious to get into this. And uh, obviously a very famous movie that I remember, I think, one scene from. So, this should almost be like I'm seeing it for the first time. Be a good one. It's been a while for me, too. Yeah, it's probably over 10 years, definitely. So Excellent. Excellent. Nice one. All right. Um, as always, you can leave a voicemail on the main feed, 708-406-9546. Leave us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com with questions, comments, suggestions, concerns, and anything else you want to send that way. Uh, you can also reach us at Binge Media on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram. And, of course, on Patreon, five bucks a month gets you the full binge, which gets you access to... Uh, the Discord channel, and everything else we drop exclusively on Patreon. And the final thing I would remind you about is that Lollapalooza is coming August 4th, 5th, and 6th in New Jersey. Start making your plans now. So, Chad, you got anything else for us? I got nothing, man. Got nothing. All right, man. Until next time, same peace. See ya. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge Media.